It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast, and it's ones to watch. And today we're going to have Derek Ozaze on the line. We're going to be chatting about his career, his journey into boxing, where his professional career is at the moment. He's currently six and zero, looking to have a big 2019. So it's going to be great to chat to him. We're going to chat about stuff that he does outside of the ring as well, what his life's like, what he gets up to. So that should be interesting to find out a few little quirky bits about him. But before we get into it, I just want you to go over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us. If you're not using Apple Podcasts and you're using other podcasting apps, then you need to go over, subscribe, make sure you leave us a rating on there, preferably five stars. You can find us on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Podcast and on Facebook BTR Boxing Podcast there too. And just want to give a quick shout out as well to the sponsors Bear Attack Boxing, and you've heard me talk about Bear Attack Boxing every episode. You're probably a little bit bored of it by now, but they sponsor our podcast, and we're going to make sure that they get that exposure that they deserve. They're producing high-quality boxing gloves at the moment, and they're endorsed by professional fighters. They're made from the highest quality materials that there is out there on the market at the moment. So when you go on the website and you have a look, you might think, hmm, it's quite a bit of money that's paid for a pair of boxing gloves. But if you go and look at some of the best boxing gloves in the world, you'll find that they're also very expensive. These are actually quite cheap in comparison, so make sure you get onto the website and have a look at them. www.bearattackboxing.co.uk Follow them on social, at Attack Boxing on Twitter, and Bear Attack Boxing on Facebook and Instagram. So here we go, 
wants to watch with Derek the Punching Preacher Ozazi. So I'm delighted to say I've got Derek Ozazi on the line with us today for our Wants to Watch series. Derek, it's an absolute pleasure to get you on this series and great to be able to chat to you and find out a little bit more about yourself. Thank you very much, all man. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, uh, really, really um, appreciative the opportunity to speak on your podcast today, man. Thanks. No problem. Well, I ask everybody on this Ones to Watch series about their journey into boxing because I want to know about how they've actually got into boxing, where it's all come from. You know, people have stories of, of, of you know school school ground bullies and all sorts of different things. So, yeah, from your yeah. perspective, <laughs> from your perspective, Derek, I want to know where where was it? Well, what was it that got you? into boxing um funny enough the story started about 10 years ago um i was in year 10 in secondary school and let's just say um i didn't have the best school um discipline record because um, i had temperament issues when i was younger i had a very very short fuse um so by the time i was in year 10 i'd almost been kicked out of school um and i was i've had I had so many exclusions from school that i lost count um so i was always quite an active individual i was into a lot of sport and stuff when i was younger i played football rugby basketball um but my disciplinary record just wasn't the greatest um, so I decided somebody recommended to me oh look why don't you try boxing out um, so I tried boxing just as an attempt to keep out of trouble really of course yeah. um, and then it literally went from a hobby turned into a passion just became a lifestyle so yeah um, if I, when I started boxing if you told me I'd be a pro 10 years later because the sport yeah the sport really changed my life I can't, can't stay away from boxing <laughs> so yeah that's the story it was just to keep out of trouble so what sort of trouble was you getting into you know what was it that was sort of what were the street you know I know, I know what goes on on the streets and I think a lot of people uh, you know are quite educated to what, what to what goes on but you yeah. know what what was it that was kind of getting you in was it was it sort of uh, gang life was it hanging around with the wrong I wouldn't people say, wouldn't say so much more of gang life obviously I grew up in South East London in Peckham so everyone knows what Peckham's like that's where I went to school um, so very I was very much aware of the gang culture like I went to school with a lot of gang members but I wouldn't necessarily like I was very very um I had family members that were in gangs, but I was very um I had very I had very good people around me in the sense of where I never got involved on the gang side of things. But for me I think it was just fighting. Um fighting in school, fighting outside of school. Do you know that's I'm talking of a time where people still did fight, less people stabbed each other. Yeah, think. yeah, of course. So a problem. You, know, you just saw it out with your fists, but now it's like now it's people rather stabbed each other. So I think for mine it was just, you know, getting into fights and arguments with people in school, out of school so yeah just temper issues really so not so much gang not so much gang related things if I'm being completely honest yeah well it's good obviously it's good to hear and uh, I weren't trying to do any sort of stereotyping there but I know obviously what what yeah, London's yeah. what London's going through at the moment and yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's it, it seems to be quite easy for people just to kind of to fall into that crowd to kind of in some ways just kind of protect yeah, themselves yeah. From, from, from being a victim of it yeah. all so uh, it's good to know that you know yeah. you, you, you kind of got yeah. yourself you got yourself into a discipline where it got you away from from fighting and actually channeled any any anger into into something that's you know turned you yeah. into a professional fighter now and when you went when you first got when you first got into the gym then Derek when you first got into the gym what was it what was it like when you first walked in for the first time <laughs> Um, oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, so I was at a club called uh, Meridian. This was like uh, summer in Charlton. I remember just walking in and being like, oh, this is a different setting. Because I'd been used to like, you know, I, first of all, I was more used to outdoor sports. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The only indoor sports I really played was basketball. So um, I'm used to rolling up to a field or something. So first of all, it was just, 
I thought, I remember the smell walking in the freaking, wow, this smells like hard work. And just seeing the noise that was coming out of the gym, like just people just constantly hitting the bag. I saw someone in the pad and I thought, oh, do you know what? Let's see where this goes. But I remember at the beginning, it's daunting. Obviously, you walk into a gym, there's, you know, there's the, the boxers who compete, there's the ones who are in the middle, then there's the keep fitters. But um, luckily, the club I was at was very welcoming. Do you know what I mean? It was really great. Um, really great. I feel like I learned a lot fast um, there because I had good um, people around me as well, really supportive people. So yeah, man. Um, I wouldn't say it was quite daunting. It was quite exciting. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very curious... I have a very curious um, side of my personality. So um, rather than it being daunting to me, it was like, ooh, this looks interesting. Intriguing. I see where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, 10 years later, here's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you obviously get in, you get into the gym, you start enjoying it. Did you did you then decide to, to turn to the amateur side of the sport? Yeah, so um, luckily, like, I, I quickly, I'd say within about the first three to five months I was already I was already had my amateur card and I had my amateur medical and everything so I was clear to fight as an amateur um, and so I was regularly actively sparring um, my coach was actually looking for fights for me but at the time I came into into the sport of boxing um, I was doing my GCSEs at the same time so I was so within the first year two years of boxing it was kind of hard for me to commit to any fights because I was training like three or four times a week but at the same time there was pressure on me to like you know keep my head down and get my exams out of the way um, and it was the same through college and A-levels so I had my amateur card from when I was 15 but I didn't actually have my first amateur fight until I was 19 um, when I did my amateur card again so yeah very quickly after about three or four months I decided that I, I wanted to take this you know competitively and actually go to fights and enter tournaments so yeah so I was actively sparring about two or three months into me starting to box which I think was great um, my sparring sessions were very interested <laughs> but you know it's the way you learn isn't it so um, I couldn't imagine watching my one of my sp- like if anyone ever filmed my sparring sessions when I started boxing when I was 15 I'd probably laugh at myself to be honest what was the amateur career like how how did that go for you did you get involved in any of the the the, the major tournaments that happened for the amateurs if I were to summarise my amateur career, um, I think I did good. Um, I probably there was a lot more I wanted to achieve um, in amateur boxing. I probably would have had more fights. Uh, that was the plan coming in, but um, I'm still happy in terms of um, where I got with it. You know, I was plagued with a lot of injuries during my amateur career, and also uh, missed a lot of competitions due to politics. But I didn't do too bad. Like I won the East, I, mean, I won the East Midland Regional Championships once. Um, got to the East Midlands final the following year. I won nationals twice. Um, also I was training with the England squad at one point um, I just missed making the England squad due to injury um, I was actually called up because I have dual nationality I was called up um, by Nigeria to actually qualify to try and attempt to qualify for the Olympic Games Rio 2016 um, right. through the African qualification um, competition um, but I did, unfortunately at the time I was in the middle of my, my Masters I was coming off the back of the injuries and just go there just to make up numbers knowing I wasn't yeah other than that I won that opportunity past sessions with England and stuff like that after and kept getting pull outs on my fights um, so after my last amateur fight when I was in the ABA I just said you know what I'm, I just becoming a bit disillusioned with the amateur game so I thought you know what it's time to go pro so I had about 19 amateur fights but I can't complain one regional title two national titles and you know potentially couldn't box internationally didn't materialise but hey it was what happens I, I got a good experience so I'm happy with what I achieved in the amateurs. So when you got to sort of what you felt was the end of your amateur career then, 
with you obviously doing uh, other things outside of boxing, like education-wise, was 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 it a no-brainer just deciding to go professional? Yeah, uh, I think. Do you know what? If I at the beginning of my amateur career, I would say probably not. Towards the back end, I think after I won the first national title, I think prior to that, I was just enjoying boxing. Um, I didn't see anything past okay, then just training hard and winning my next fight, and then winning the next fight, and then if I go into a tournament, trying to win that tournament. There was nothing more than that. There was no end plan. There was no five-year plan or future. It was just you know I'm just really enjoying it. After the first national title, um, I think is when I started to have a bit more confidence in myself and believe in my ability more and I think the more and more I progressed and the more and more I competed I realised that you know what actually I love this more than I think I do and I really want to have a crack at this do you know what I mean so it was I would say maybe in my last year and a half as an amateur that's when I was really thinking about going pro um, in my last year and a half I only managed what two amateur fights because of injuries pull out so for me when it got to that point I felt like it was just a sign that you know I think for me personally my style was better suited to the pros I think I need longer rounds <laughs> I wasn't uh, I feel like am- amateur boxing is more of a sprint especially with the 10-9 scoring now because it's quite subjective so um, you know, when I started amateur boxing it was the old school point scoring where you had to box, box more but now with the 10-9 I think it just became three round scraps <laughs> do you know what I mean I didn't yeah. like that because I think I'm more of a boxer so I just decided that like, yeah it was time to go pro and that was it but um, in terms of everything else that was going on I knew that if I had to go pro that I had to be fully committed so it was good that by the time I decided to go pro you know I'd finished my masters I wasn't going back to education anymore so I could really dedicate my time to boxing so yeah what did you do your masters in? Um, so my masters was in sports psychology, um, and then my undergraduate was actually in business. So one degree, my big undergraduate business was to do more like you know job prospects work. It was an interest of mine, but um, sports psychology was more to do with boxing. Um, my study was actually in boxing, actually. <laughs> so yeah, so it was quite cool having the best of both worlds. So you made your professional debut 2017 in December, and then you got the victory, obviously, and we move on to 2018 and I looked obviously at your record before we started chatting and I was like wow he had quite a lot of fights in 2018 he was very very active and you know that was that, that was huge huge first year yeah it was it was a huge first year you know the target was to have try and have five fights from December 2017 to December 2018 and um, I was already on six fights um, by October uh, I potentially could have had another one in December but I feel like you know um, from having so many fights so quickly I think mentally it took it took its toll um, so that's where to the back end of the year it was just you know ticking over and just um, carrying on training to the next year but do you know what it's just opportunity just presented itself do you know um, the pro debut came an opportunity presented itself in March and then opportunity presented itself also in March and then boxed in July and then I boxed in October I boxed in June then I boxed in July then I boxed in October so I couldn't say like in experience so I never really ever said no to a fight so my manager said oh look is this fight happening here would you reckon and I'm like yeah let's take it <laughs> do you know what I mean so um, I think it, it only hit me until the end of the year when I thought okay uh, Boxrec has me ranked number 20 as super middleweight in the country Boxing News has me 24 in a year so not too bad not too bad no not at all definitely not too bad for your first professional year and obviously you've been in with a lot of well known names on the circuit so you've had some great experience in, in, in your first six fights which is fantastic and obviously now we're in 2019 as we're speaking and do you think this year you'll be a little bit more 
I wouldn't say cautious, but not rushing in into as many fights as quick. Now you've had that experience of taking fights where opportunities presented themselves. Do you feel like this year it's going to be a case of I want the right fights at the right times? Yeah, do you know what? I agree. I feel like I'm in I'm in two minds about this because obviously um, you know there's a lot of people who told me you know you're at a good age, you've got time. But at the same time, I don't want to coast and just keep taking you know fights with you know dare I say journeymen or fights where I know I'm going to win um, but at the same time I don't want to jump in deep and before my time do you know what I mean I feel yeah. that, that you're right do you know what I mean you have to take your time when you're progressing your pro career so but at the same time I do want to be in challenging fights so I leave that down to my manager and my coach like I trust their judgement in terms of they, they see me in the gym day in day out twice a day six days a week and they know what fights to take at the right time so for me as the boxer all i need to do is my job is you know get my head down in the gym make sure i'm already always in pristine condition ready to fight and i'll leave the fights up to them um, in terms of what fights i pick and stuff you know um, when my manager calls me up with uh, potential fights i rarely ever ask who it is because you know i know that my manager and my coach have my best interests at heart you know so they will know when to push me on and they will know when to you know take the more challenging fights when to give me um, you know the ticking over fights that's I leave that all to them so in terms of what I can expect from 2019 you know my only only target of this year is just to continue getting good experience stay active keep busy and just keep moving up the rankings and wherever opportunities present themselves where my manager my coach where I'm ready then I'll, I'll grab them both hands I've got to admit that was a pretty uh, pretty level-headed answer and uh, I think a lot of people out there will actually you know respect what you've just said because for me being around boxing for for a long time it's like there will be people out there that will answer these questions in a totally different way where obviously you you seem like you've got your head screwed on in the sense of you ain't going to rush and make a silly decision but you've got that trust and that faith in your team to to make the right decisions at the right time for you but it's it's good I mean it's it's great that you've had the experience that you've had and obviously you've got through it uh, unscathed you've had quite a lot of fights Uh, this year is probably going to be a move up to I'd say six six to eight rounds you know by the end of the year and then yeah. and then maybe maybe on from there they'll start looking at probably looking putting you in for like a southern area title super middleweight title <laughs> which would be good funny you say that it's funny you say that that's been spoken about because funny enough my last fight uh, in October was meant to be a six round um, but my opponent pulled out and the last minute opponent they got could only do four rounds um, so the plan actually was because um, I was actually nominated um, um, for best newcomer boxer in the Midlands Area Council and they actually put my name forward for um, a Midlands Area title shot which was actually a surprise because you know I thought you know just in my first year just about building experience and stuff so um, like I understand that it's going to get to a point there where it's probably going to be more challenging fights there'll be opportunities for belts but I'm going to keep my feet on the ground and I think it's only right but at the same time it doesn't mean that I want to hang around and just be taking you know fights where I know I can easily win because as a boxer I don't know there's a there's an element of a fighter in me that kind of wants to be challenged at the same time so I feel like you need a bit of a balance man there's boxers that are just happy sitting on good records fighting no one and not progressing um, but then there's also fighters that unfortunately you know take one fight too, too early like if some, if I if my manager got the call to fight Chris Eubank tomorrow I'd say yes it doesn't mean that they think I'm ready for it If I, even if I say yes that's yeah. that's fun to them so do you know what I mean but um, obviously I want to be in big fights but I know that you know Roman's doing one day step by step fight by fight do you know what I mean 
indeed. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. I'm excited. So yeah. So just going back then to obviously that first year as a professional, one of the biggest things starting out this journey at the stage you're at is to go out there, put yourself out there across social media and get them ticket sales to obviously cover the cost of opponents coming over and, and fighting you and, and, and getting the rounds in and getting the experience in. What's the experience been like for you for this first year in terms of doing tickets and getting sponsorships and all the other stuff that comes with it? Uh, the finance side of boxing. <laughs> yes, yeah, that one. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the area of boxing that every new pro underestimates. Um, first of all, with tickets. And tickets is, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunately a big part of the game at this stage of my career. And boxers like myself, you know, we're the small horse show fighters, if that's what you want to call us. Um, so everything is based on tickets, you know what I mean? Um, like obviously, I've had my good days with tickets. I've had my off days with tickets. You know, you never really know. Um, like if I if, if if ticket selling can be mentally draining at times, um, you know I've boxed in the I fought in the away corner once when I didn't have to do any tickets and it was probably the best fight of all my six fights when I fought down in Bristol and I felt like not having the mentally draining aspects of, of selling tickets. So it's not the not my favorite parts of the sport, but if it's what it means to an end to get me to where I need to be, then so be it. You know it hasn't. I'm, I'm I like to count my blessings because you know I know I know a lot of bo- a lot of boxers that struggle with tickets. I've been okay. You know, I mean, I've been able to fight. You know, there have been some fights with ticket sales haven't been great. Um, when I've not been, I've not walked away with as much as I should have. But at the end of the day, I know that you know, my first couple of years as a pro, that's going to happen. Um, it's all about means to an end. You know, um, I don't believe there's any boxer who's a small horse or fighter in the first day, first year, two years of their career that can be in it for the money because, like you said, Sean, there isn't that much money in it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Automatically, people have seen that when you're a professional boxer, you just make loads of money I think it's to do with the term professional you know when you hear professional footballer they've got a guaranteed contract guaranteed earnings with us we only get paid when we fight and that's if you're in the home corner if you meet a certain amount of tickets so it's, it's, it's been okay do you know I'm saying it's been okay because I've had a lot more worse cases um, but tickets has been alright getting sponsors has been a bit difficult as well um, we're in a tough we're in a tough time in terms of the economy companies and businesses are just you know making they don't want to part ways with you know finance um, so sponsors have been okay uh, nothing concrete yet I'm still on the lookout for like long term sponsors that you know that will allow me to focus on boxing full time I train full time but I still have to you know work part time which is not ideal um, but if that's what it takes to get me to where I need to be then so be it so responses have been alright you know we get odd uh, I call them care package the odd free care package yeah. there like you might get meals some, some clothing you know some supplements you might get the odd one off sponsorship payment for one fight and that so it's been good like something is always better than nothing do you know I mean, I like to have that mindset, but of course, I'm not where I want to be right now, obviously financially. But I know that hopefully, with a big year, um, that will change. So, yeah, still on the lookout for sponsors that will just allow me just to focus on the sport full time because training two to three times a day and still working part time can be a lot. <laughs> it can be a lot, but nah, man, you can't begin it for the money at this stage. Like, Sean, I, I'd make more money if I went into a full time job as a graduate, and that's being honest. So, I'm not in it for the money, you know what I mean? I've got, I've got a dream, I've got a vision, and I want to achieve it. So, um, yeah, so it's it's the hardest it's, it's it's the harder part of the sport, but you know if that's what it takes to get there, that's what it takes. So it's been okay. It could be better, but everything can always be better. So, but there's any like you know sponsors that are hearing me and thinking, yeah, I want to sponsor. 
So what it leads me nicely on to next in terms of questions is you, you touched on about working and part-time and, 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 and there's full-time aspects of it as well and the training you have to do. It leads me nicely on to talk about you and outside of boxing and what it is you, you know you do for a living and what you get up to outside of boxing, what are your hobbies, you know, what is it you like to watch on the telly, all that type of stuff. Talk to us about <laughs> it. To, tell me what it is uh, Derek Ozaze does outside of boxing when he's not training. Cool. Um, I think first of all, uh, my nickname sort of gives it away. Obviously, I'm dull boy, but also known as the punching preacher. Um, so to some people's surprise, you know, when I'm not uh, in the ring punching or punching pads or the bags, um, I'm actually an ordained minister. Um, so I'm actually a youth pastor. Um, so I work a lot with young people. Um, I'm connected to a charity called Radical Youth that um, is basically a university society that runs in 28 different universities across the country, um, and it's basically a student led fellowship um, so I welcome a lot of youths within the church God Vineyard's church where I'm a minister um, so that's that's one element of me um, uh, prior to that working part time I was always working as a, a youth behaviour mentor I'm very passionate about young people so a lot of the work I do is centred around young people I was working with kids that might have been kicked out of school um, so doing you know various different um, activities with them you know to supplement for the time that they miss in school um, I've done a bit of you know just standard part time work like against me that's from the work side other than that um, I'm, I'm a bit of a sport fanatic you know I love watching live sports boxing football tennis even darts when the world championships are on um, program I'm likely to watch all the time oh that's a good point I don't really follow TV as much I'm more like live sports person yeah um, but if there was I had to pick a favourite program this is going to be a bit embarrassing right but I love the Power <laughs> Rangers man. I grew up with the Power Rangers and I still watch it on Netflix which version though which version of the Power Rangers I like all of them but if I'm going to be the original I think Mighty Morphin is still up there for me um, Ninja Storm is one of my favourite ones I love all of them 100%. but um, I preferred the Power Rangers that had animals I didn't really like the the futuristic uh, ones but yeah I love the Power Rangers man it represents <laughs> a good time my childhood <laughs> absolutely oh you know what it's weird you say that because like I was a big fan of that growing up and I, I'm in my f- sort of early 30s now and like <laughs> it, it was like 20 years ago it was booming and I loved it and it's, it's so funny that you say that because like yeah, yeah. I've got guilty. I've got guilty pleasures. <laughs> I've got guilty pleasures like that as well, and it's good to me. I'm not the only one out there that's <laughs> that's uh, watching stuff like that. Us guys got to stick together. But yeah, if not Power Rangers, it was wrestling. I'm a big can't forget wrestling. Big wrestling fan. I actually went to WrestleMania 30 wow. in America in 2014. So I grew up wrestling Power Rangers. Yeah, I played games here or there. You know, I'm a bit of fever. I do like my retro games, like the old Sonic on the Sega and stuff. I will play on the Wii with my wife sometimes. So yeah, anything. I just I'm a bit of a prankster. I like having fun. You know. Um, if you're around me, you're probably likely to laugh a lot, you know, unless I'm training and stuff. Even when I'm training, I, I just try to be happy and positive, you know. I just like a good laugh, to be honest. I've got to be, so, yeah. I've got to be honest, like, listening to you talk about, like, what you do in your life and, and the way you're giving back to young people uh, and it's a, on a serious note is, you know, it's really humbling to hear and I'm pretty sure, like, people that don't know you, that are not in a, your sort of f- friends and family circle will will listen to it and think, you know, there's, there's a lot of decent people out there that are doing decent things like that and it's good to 
to hear that even at this early stage of your career, you know, you, you're still giving back. It's not like, you know, when you get people that are on the mainstream fighters that are 22 fights in or world champions and you sort of see them giving back. But, you know, they've got guys like yourself who are at a grassroots stage who are already giving back and do it because, yeah. not be not because they want the fame, it's because they do it because they love it. And that's, you know, really humbling to hear. And that's a real good part of, uh, of, of you as a person. And I think a lot of people will agree when they listen back to it that they'll think, wow, it's nice to hear that there is people out there and it's people like you that help the youth of today and we talked about it earlier about all the issues that are going on across the country you know with various uh, teenage stabbings and, and, and stuff that's horrible to, to hear about all the time on the news but if it wasn't for people like yourself and other guys out there doing stuff like this there'd probably be a lot more of it going on yeah man thank you man I really appreciate it you know I've never thought of it like that to me it's, it's always been a thing of you know I'm really thankful to God that I had the right people around me growing up you know because you know I went like I said I went to a school in Peckham and now that I really in my old age obviously working with younger people I now notice that things that I was used to growing um, when I was younger growing up in area like Peckham I shouldn't have been used to yeah uh, you talk about you know stabbings happening and shootings I, f- I felt like one day I was speaking to a friend of mine and I felt very sad that I'd, I've also become so numb to it because I've been so used to it for such a long part of my life do you know what I mean yeah uh, I've had friends of mine come to school and show me stab wounds do you know what I mean and to me that was oh like it was normal but so I feel like it's the least I can do because if I didn't have the odd positive people around me then I could have easily gone off the road myself so I feel like and also for me I kind of I like working with you know young people especially that come from troubled backgrounds because I, I kind of like to think I understand where they're coming from yeah so yeah man it's it's, it's, it's it's great and I feel like you know everyone can do their part you know we're not all going to change the world tomorrow but if everyone throws a little stone in a, in a, in a big pond then we make loads of different little ripples 100% you know I mean? so yeah 100% still having so I love it man I love it I'm going to stop doing it 100% absolutely do you think regardless of where your career takes you as a fighter it'll always be part a big part of your life 100 percent um i have a lot of plans to do a lot of work for you for youth for young people um you know prior to when i started boxing i got into a bit of volunteering and i, I was actually a football qualified football coach um for a few years and i actually did work with tottenham i used to be an academy scout for Mill ward when i was down in london um and all those opportunities came about just because of you know community initiatives i remember my first two coaching badges i didn't have to pay for because i had a got funded from like through some youth course that was through the council at the time so I remember going on when I was younger there was a lot more happening in the community you know you could go and do a course in hairdressing you could go and do a course in you know coaching or you could just go and just play sports there were so many youth clubs and I feel like now with so many cuts and stuff it's, it's, it's an element that I see that's missing do you know what I mean from yeah. young people like, I remember when I was younger I could just go to a youth club and just go and play pool and just chill out for a bit <laughs> I don't think they really exist no more so no they don't I I'd want to try and help out and reinvent you know just help people man because I feel like I had the same opportunities growing up and I feel like it's unfair that you know young people today don't so definitely my I, I can see me being involved with a lot of youth work for yeah the rest of my life man it's a part of me like and it makes me feel young as well <laughs> I'm young guy at heart, so <laughs> even when I'm 50 I feel 20 <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a pleasure obviously having you on and you telling your story about your journey into boxing uh, your amateur career where your professional careers at where you want to see it going and obviously everything that you do outside of boxing as well it's been great to to listen to that for people that 
I've been listening to this episode and want to follow your journey. Where can they find you upon social media? Um, on social media, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook. I'm literally Doughboy Osaze on everything. Um, I've got a website which has a link um, to all my social media pages, including my YouTube channel as well, which has some of my post fight highlights and stuff and interviews if you want to have a look. So that's www.doughboy um, Osaze, which is osaze.com. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, I'm at Doughboy Sazay as well and on Facebook I'm at Dalboy Sazay so yeah follow the journey man I hope um, can't really say too much yet but 2019 already is looking to be a big year with some big opportunities presenting themselves so hoping that will be a big year and yeah man hopefully being some big fights with some big opportunities and some get some um, good TV exposure and some big shows so yeah man, I'm looking forward to it but Great. I can't wait so follow the journey follow the journey man 100% absolutely and this is why I've got you on and this is why we're saying for you 2019 you're one to watch Thank you very much, Sean, man. I really, really appreciate you doing what you're doing is amazing with this podcast, you know, giving boxers like myself a platform to, you know, get themselves out there, man. It's really great. And, you know, us small horse show fighters, we couldn't do it without guys like yourself and platforms like this. So, yeah, man, thank you so much. So there you go. Another episode of Ones to Watch done and dusted. Really hope you enjoyed my little chat with Derek Ozarze. Really great, young, humble individual. Looks like he's going to be a decent professional fighter. Currently 6-0. Going to be looking to progress on in 2019. So if you have enjoyed the episode, make sure you give it a share around social media. Spread the word about Derek Ozarze. Spread the word about BTR Boxing Podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts or on Podbean, Stitcher, Player FM, iTunes. You can find us on every available podcasting app you can find us on eat sleep boxing repeats youtube channel as well so that was episode of ones to watch with Derek ozaze thanks for listening five fans Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.